Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Eric Brown of NRE The Wrestleverse, and we're back with NRE Wrestleverse Podcast. And F me, this is probably going to be a long podcast because I got 52 articles to go over, and there's still news that I could have talked about, but I had to cut them out for the episode 7 plan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, when you got into decide to do YouTube as a side gig and hobby, you start to realize you might have went overboard, especially with the amount of content you're pushing out and trying to be a consistent thing after multiple hiatuses. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that has been going on, and Drew McIntyre is pissed. Ever since WrestleMania 39, Drew McIntyre had pretty much disappeared for the most part he hasn't been seen in a while he hasn't been seen he's been mentioned but he hasn't been seen they have not built up any storylines for him there's no matches for him he got drafted to raw nothing from that uh he's not even in the big tournament they did so we're kind of in this situation where we don't know what's going on with him his contract said to be coming up in a year or so some say it's in a few months some say he could show up at all in if it, if the contract goes out at the same at the, at the right timing, but um, yeah, Fightful Select has come out with a report to update on this. He's pissed. He's frustrated. Uh, the Fightful Select came out and said that there were said to have been frustration in several situations of not being on the same page with WWE McIntyre, who was usually told about the draft plans ahead of time, but was one of the several left out of the loop until he was announced as a raw talent on television. Of course he was. There have been several perceived miscommunications between Drew McIntyre and the company over the past couple of years. The report went on to say that McIntyre has been hesitant to any dramatic creative changes unless it makes sense with reports pitches to turn heel upon his return to TV. Despite his reported frustration, it should also be known that McIntyre is apparently banged up and working through injuries over the last couple of months, though he persisted the, through them in order to put up with Walter and Sheamus at WrestleMania 39. So, yeah, Drew McIntyre is said to be frustrated he's been working wear and tear on him because everyone for some reason because thanks to kenny omega cody rhodes and other talent uh they now think it's cool more so than ever to work while being horrendously banged up because that's a thing damn it so naturally i'll blame everybody and i'll start this off with triple h and then i'll talk about the undertaker going ahead and having working while broken ribs so I'm pretty sure there's something to be made about that back in the 90s. But yeah, that has been going on. And Drew McIntyre has reportedly in the FIFA Select report also have um, saying that if McIntyre come to fail to come to terms with a new contract, he could be on his way out the door. With the report saying McIntyre's WWE deals up in 2024, well before WrestleMania. And we're told that he operated on the possibility it could end up being his last WrestleMania. While it's been reported that he's leaning towards not staying with WWE, we're told that it's a more accurate way to say that he doesn't know. If things aren't working for both sides, by the time that his deal is done, McIntyre is willing to explore other options elsewhere and leave the door open to his return in the future. So, considering he was fired the first time, then came back, then and has done this, here's the thing. He would do i here's the thing mcintyre will be fine he did well in impact he did well in icw he evolved himself and evolved uh he was he did admit that at one point before he came back to nxt and wwe 
he was almost about to join up with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Realizing that, you realize that you could have seen Okada versus McIntyre, aka Galloway when he was called that by his real name. We could have seen Omega versus Galloway when Omega was, quote, considered in his prime to fans and when he was working hurt. We could have gotten Ibushi versus Galloway, and you are all swearing vengeance upon William Regal and Triple H for this because of course you are. While I'm breathing deeply in this bag, realizing that I could have gotten those matches and him in the G1. God damn. So yeah. It's just it's just stunning that we still like I know AEW has their history of communication issues, like, very badly, but how is it that WWE, this massive corporation that's even bigger than AEW, allegedly according to their logic, uh, <laughs> uh, still fails at communication issues when it comes to their top talent? Especially, I thought they would have learned this by now, especially after the humiliation that led to Malachi Black joining AEW 30 days after he was fired instead of the 90 day because they didn't check his contract after he got called up for years from years ago. So yeah, I'm still on that. How did that day we not look at renew, look at his contract and be like, hey, 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 we need to check the contracts to see when we call people up. Uh, okay. And then the guy never got to it and then he got fired for the trash bag fiasco. And then I'm pretty sure when Vince found out that Alistair left, was fired and then joined AEW 30 days after, I'm pretty sure he was wishing he could have fired him after, after that incident. But, uh, yeah. So Trinity, who had made his, who made her debut in Impact, reveals that Jay Cargill was the first to reach out after WWE's exit. And she opened up about leaving WWE in an interview with Forbes and noted that AEW's TBS champion, uh, Jay Cargill, was the very first person to reach out to her. Say, when everything happened, Jay was the first person to just reach out to me. I don't remember specifically, but the gist of it is, I know it feels like your whole world is crumbling apart right now, but you're going to be okay and I'm here for you. And that's really what really just touched, just really touched me and that they meant everything to me. That's someone I don't even share a locker room with uh, enough for me to reach out and say that. So that kind of developed our relationship and friendship, and I have a family in Atlanta. She's up in Atlanta, so that's kind of how it all began. Hmm. I see. Okay, I know where I know I know she's not signed to AEW, and Impact still kind of has a thing with AEW or relationship, so to speak. They haven't done any talent exchanges since. Uh, Frankie Kazaria went to Impact and signed there ultimately, and then you got, and then the last time we saw with the most machine guns at All Out, and we can't talk about that because if I talk about it, I'll talk about Brawl Out, and then I'll get depressed and want to strangle anyone who goes ahead and freaks out, cheering for the demise of AEW because how dare they break the cycle of WWE supremacy? Yeah, <laughs> but uh. I kind of like Trinity to show up on AEW TV if for no other reason to be Jay Cargill's tag team partner, a member of the baddies, and be a tag team. That gave me kind of awesome. But, um, yeah. Plus, Trinity, Trinity can teach uh, Jay Cargill some things about her, uh, about the mainstream side of wrestling. 
That'd be cool. So as season TV deals are approaching and the WWE programming could change, at least according to speculation from Dave Meltzer, uh, he said, I know there was talk of NBC getting SmackDown. There's been no official negotiations, but I have absolutely heard the idea of NBC being interested as far as the idea of getting everything and putting SmackDown on the network. That does make sense. Will they do it? I don't know. They have their own Friday night stuff that's been around for years and years. We'll see. That wouldn't surprise me if NBC takes everything and puts SmackDown on. So... Yeah, considering how there's been, how do I say this? Considering there's been wild speculation over SmackDown and Fox and WWE and how if they have it all on one network, uh, this could, you know, give synergy to the corporations and, you know, stop WWE and Vince from pissing Fox off every chance they get or pissing NBC Universal USA Network off every chance they got. So then they could just move on with their lives. But I think the bigger deal would be money and if Fox would be interested because, okay, there was all this speculation that Fox wanted a very consistent high rating, high viewership for their show and WWE did not hail their end of the bargain. From what I've gathered now this could be also conjecture and also the fact that streaming exists and we're in the post we're in the post analog TV era everything's all streamed now a lot it's, and rural areas are getting better networks from what I'm hearing oh, I could be wrong I already get that from Twitter I could be wrong so yeah but Fox and USA Network tend to have these issues with with how daddy handles things like fox gets held to sell usa gets pissed fox gets world champion roman reigns WWE a usa demands a world champion and we get the world heavyweight belt and then you go ahead and denounce it and call it a consolation belt officially on television when roman reigns is showing up and michael cole decides to, decides to add in his commentary of saying that roman reigns considers the belt consolation prize instead of having storytelling opportunities right there because oh my god why would you do that on the belt that's not even that's not even proud yet sorry i'm just annoyed that daddy on that smackdown episode last week was horrible so speaking of uh things that made no sense Sami Zayn joined when he joined wwe all those years ago he revealed he took a massive substantial pay cut Oh god. So here's the thing I found out about Sami Zayn. So when you join WWE, you're expected, unless you're given instant main event money, that's gonna save something. Um and if you join WWE Developmental, you'll be at a massive pay cut, but you'll eventually make good money if you impress the higher-ups enough. Sami Zayn revealed on Whiskey Ginger, okay, that at one point, when he went, before he joined with WWE in 2013, he was making, when he joined NXT, he made $39,000. He was making $100,000 a year on the independence.
Okay. Here's the thing. When I heard that, I was both astonished that Sammy was is willing to put that kind of strain on his finances, financial stuff, to cut from a hundred thousand a year to thirty-nine thousand a year when joining WWE. I like Okay, so like Sami Zayn clearly had no problem with it. He knew that this was going to be um, a, a thing, and he probably saved enough money to help himself for a while. But uh, he then mentions this, uh, saying, "I wasn't too nearsighted about thinking. Oh, I'm worth so much more. You kind of understand when you take it on the chin, and when you you'll make it up. All this I say, all this to say, I got pretty lucky in wrestling. Even when I started WWE, even though I had already been working for 10 to 11 years, they put me through the developmental program. I did very well, very quickly, within about eight months, which was unheard of at the time because they usually take two to three years before they start sending you to do stuff. Within about eight eight months, they started sending me on the road to do road loops." At that point, maybe it was 50 grand a year. That first check came in on that road loop, and it was like six or seven grand. I had this light bulb moment saying, Oh my god, that's right, I'm here to make money. I know it sounds cliche, where you enjoy what you do, you never work a day in your life. Uh, money is not why I do it, don't get me wrong. I enjoy having it versus not having it. Um, So, yeah, Sami Zayn, when he was working on the Independence, was given $100,000, was working, making $100,000, then took a massive $60,000 pay cut to grow the WWE and specifically NXT's brand. I'm like, I don't, I, I would have, now for me personally, I would have like filed a little differently if there was a way, unless I saved all that money, then okay, fine, I'll do it. But I would have been like, Consider uh, like if this was a decade later, he probably would have thought differently in terms of how finances would be going, considering where the current state of the world is at. But that's a different subject altogether. Um, and if, if I'm wrong, if I was if I'm right about this, wasn't he married at the time? Still, he had was already married, and he still made that big risk leap of faith, like. I'll, I'll give him credit. I, he did that. It, it all worked out in the end. He's now the one of the most popular acts in WWE. And when I talk about that, hey, remember, oh, wait, he's going to be in Saudi Arabia because WWE and because Syria and Saudi Arabia are now suddenly trying to be buddy buddies again. And now they're okay with Sammy coming into their country to fight Roman and be a sacrificial lamb metaphorically speaking and he's been turned into a political bargaining tool for brownie points to make Saudi Arabia look oh see we're cool with this with Syria now see we're cool see we're cool we, we have a Syrian wrestler here he's a Canadian from Syrian descent that's different so yeah uh yeah I, I just Okay. Just, I, I don't know what to say about that. So, moving on. Bad Bunny, Backlash, Puerto Rico. 
Oh, yes, we all remember Puerto Rico Backlash. I'm like, I didn't see the whole show. Oh, I was still in that whole, you gotta, you gotta make it up to Cody Rhodes. You screwed him big time with the ending you did at Mania. But, uh, I heard Bad Bunny was great. Here's the thing about Bad Bunny. Um, he is possibly the best celebrity turned turn best celebrity wrestler so in my honest opinion like i was always skeptical about having bad bunny who wasn't a wrestler I mean, like he was a fan that, that's one thing but being an active wrestler in the ring that that's a different meaning at least, at least you can make the argument stephen amell who did his own stunts in in the tv hollywood industry so you could get away with that but Bad Bunny, he worked a 25-minute street fight with Damian Priest in a San Juan street fight, and he tore it down. He tore it down with Damian Priest, and I gotta give kudos to that. I was wrong. See? I'm a man on the internet, and I admit I was wrong. I've caused the apocalypse. But, um, yeah, Bad Bunny willingly put himself through bumps, bumps and craziness, and I refuse to acknowledge that other Paul guy that goes ahead and annoys everybody and is committing crimes left and right in terms of crypto scamming, but, um, yeah, Bad Bunny is probably, in my honest opinion, the best celebrity wrestler we've gotten in WWE. That is saying something, and I'm not counting The Rock because he started as a wrestler and then became a movie star, then came back to wrestle a couple times, and, and went back to Hollywood due to uh, Hollywood executives being paranoid. But, uh, yeah, uh, according to Fight for Select, Brian Kendrick, you know, the guy who got canceled for his controversial opinions and very disturbing conspiracy theories and horrible rhetoric and, and here's the thing there's a difference between say oh well this was a decade ago i i brought that up like this was a long long time ago there's a huge possibility he doesn't think these stuff and then i dug a little deeper to learn to learn more about what dirt they were finding on him and here's the thing I think it was more like his apology statement that was problematic for me instead of all the crazy stuff he was believing. Because he goes ahead and says, oh, I don't believe in what I was saying, except, um, and you could make the argument like, oh, well, that's a character he's playing on television or in the independence. And okay, fine, fine, we, we can go with that. And if he's doing a podcast and he's playing a character, that's fine. There was no disclaimer in one of the uh, laundry list of conspiracy rarics he believes in where he's saying he's playing a character that this is a that there's a disclaimer there's no sign that he's acting like this it's a character this is legitimately brian kendrick thinking this 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 and this which is kind of messed up and thinks all this is insane so yeah Yeah, but um, yeah, he was originally supposed to join AEW or at least show up in AEW in an open contract and fight John Moxley, and then that didn't happen because of what because of what came out. 
And then he produced Ronda Rousey versus Saucy Blackheart, and the less said about that, the better. Especially when Ronda Rousey was the one that requested it, considering uh, they kind of share similar conspiracy theories. Very similar conspiracy theories. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Bad Bunny, props to you, man. And plus, Damian Priest earned a lot of praise for that recently, too. He was now considered a top-level player in WWE. With PW Insider Elite reporting, um, there was a lot of ton of praise internally for all the work Damian Priest has done in recent months to level himself up, culminating in the San Juan Street fight this past weekend. One source noted on PWInsider.com that he has been seen as the top one of the top-level players in the company going forward. Priest being in the World Heavyweight Champion tournament that kicks off, that kicked off, uh, is proof of that. Uh... Oh, man. Starring, like, props to Damian Priest. Um, he lost in the first round, but it's still is showing that we're starting to trust you more with higher responsibilities other than carrying celebrities to their greatness. And WWE talent after San Juan Puerto Rico was so popular, the reality roster reportedly, according to Mike Johnson, a PW Insider, that they want Backlash to be a permanent home for it. To be the permanent to be permanently out homed in Puerto Rico. And WWE reportedly was very higher up with it and extremely happy with the with the event and with the reaction of the crowd, the numbers associated with the pay-per-view, and and they hope to have a similar trend looking forward and whatnot. So naturally, you would think uh that would be good things. Heck, uh, there's even future plans for Bad Bunny. The so like he's also set to have he's also set to maybe do something at SummerSlam soon, and maybe do some awesome stuff. Oh man, that, that's gonna be pretty damn awesome, isn't it? Like all the success, you would think Puerto Rico would have a more resounding presence with with WWE. I'm like, the last time they had it was 18 years ago before Backlash. And that was the, the Elimination Chamber of New Year's Re Revolution. You would think that would lead to Puerto Rico getting more events. Nope. According to Dave Meltzer, so take it for what you for what you can. WWE will not be returning. Is unlikely to go back for some time. And the reason why they won't do another Puerto Rico event for another while, because fuck that, is because uh. So remember how it came out that Tony Khan paid four hundred grand for Webley Stadium. WWE almost did have Webley Stadium be for Clash of the Castle and then they went to went elsewhere. Not because, oh, it's a bigger venue. No, 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 no. Or, or it has a more energetic crowd. No, no, no. The reason why is because they got paid more money by the state, by the uh, tourism, by, the com by a company there. Yep. WWE will not go back to Puerto Rico anytime soon, probably, unless they're paid more money. And they were paid $1.5 million 
by the Puerto Rican Tourism Company to hold the event. So, instead of doing an event that was successful because it was successful, you're doing it because, oh, well, we don't want to actually pay for the venues. We're broke, right? We're, 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 we're that stupid, right? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um... But nothing else insane could have happened to make me go crazy, right? Yes, um, according to MLW's owner, CEO Corbao, um, WWE, in the past, on multiple occasions, have rejected Jacob Fatu and Alexander Hammerstone. You rejected Jacob Batu and Alexander Hammerstone when you had the chance. You want to know why they, according to, according to the CEO on Busted Open Radio, he um, revealed this about Hammerstone. Hammerstone went for a few tryouts and was told, and I'm not kidding when I say this, and this is my added commentary, not his, but this is what he said. You look too much like Triple H. Oh, oh God. Oh my God, what is wrong with you people? That's your biggest complaint. And Jacob Fatu, you would think he was guaranteed considering he's related to the bloodline. No. Fuck them both, according to WWE. So, the machine didn't get it. The creative artist did. Heck, Jacob Fatu revealed he, he, that he got inspired to take up pro wrestling because of the Usos on his, his cousins on TV while he was in prison, so that was the thing. Uh, Alexander Hammerstone had multiple tryouts between 2015 and 2018, and both of them joined MLW in 2019 because they are, in fact, a bunch of idiots, and they have become the cornerstones of the promotion since, with Fatu being the former MLW World Heavyweight Champion and being the longest reigning one, while Hammerstone is the current champion and the one who dethroned uh, Jacob Fatu. Seriously, how do you not see talent? How did you... Okay. We didn't get the reason why Jacob Fatu was rejected, but Alexander Hammerstone was potentially rejected because you look like too much. You look too much like Triple H. Is that in? Who the fuck cares? This is like that time when 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 uh, the Briscoes came out and promoted John Laurinaitis to death. When, when they mentioned how John Laurinaitis wouldn't hire them because you don't look cosmetically appealing enough. And I'm like, oh my fucking god. And that was a real thing. He had to repeat it on a podcast recently. Speaking of crazies, uh, John Moxley, aka Horny Wrestler number 84, because now uh, a member of a private party came out and revealed that he moans out of nowhere. 
because All Elite Wrestling is secretly a cover-up scheme to be called All Horny Wrestling, because my god. But anyways, John Moxley gave his opinion that he thinks, please note, he said he thinks this, the Elite vs. Blackpool Connor Club is the absolute apex of professional wrestling right now. Man, that's a bold claim. And plus, uh, they, they had, they had, uh, they've had awesome matches and whatnot. They've had, there's a whole bunch of great talent involved. I like, it's an understandable argument to make that if you want. Uh, they think there's gonna come in blood and guts match. Heck, I'm thinking they're gonna also do it. Anarchy in the Arena match, which was freaking awesome last time. Oh god, that was an insane night with the music playing constantly. I wonder what they're going to use again. So anyways, on his Wrestling for the Faith podcast, Jackson Riker has announced that he is retiring from pro wrestling. Nothing of value was lost. Anyways, WWE, remember when they got sued by a former writer over offensively racist scripts, especially one where they were going to go ahead and delve into 9-11 conspiracy theories because WWE management are a bunch of idiots? And another involves Shane Hayes hunting Reggie and keeping him in a cage like he was an animal because that is definitely not going to offend people. Oh, like, granted, he would have escaped, but he would be keep getting captured. But, uh, according to, uh, PW Insider, um, WWE was confused. Because I'm not kidding about this. Brittany Abrahams, the person suing WWE, they They would never heard of Abrahams because she used a professional moniker during her time with the company, which would have meant most of her founder, found, former colleagues knew her as Onyx Espria. And I'm like, do you just not look at your archival contracts? Do you not have like a backup information? Like if you destroy the physical contracts, fine, but you don't have like a digital archive like, you're confused. My god, uh, 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 we're, we have dumbasses. This is Malachi Black's debacle all over again. Hey, uh, look, we have a wrestler that's supposed to be sentenced to 90 days of wrestling. Why is he coming back on AEW television? Uh, we didn't update the contract? You were to tell me we had this effort for two or three years on the main roster and we never updated it? Who, who's responsible for this? We need to get rid of him. Uh, we, we fired him over the Mickey James trash bag fiasco. God damn it. Anyways. I'm not letting those go. Those will be the most humiliating moments for WWE of that year. And then everything else happened. Uh... Jamie Hayter has revealed that she was very shocked that fans got behind her. Speaking at the For the Love of Wrestling in the UK, Hayter revealed she was shocked that the fans got behind her at All Elite Wrestling, saying, yeah, it was very shocking to me in a way, the crowd turning her into a babyface, but you know, the fans just for some reason, I don't know why, they all get behind me and that meant so much to me when we got backstage, it was 
just a really hard fought match between myself and Tony Storm at AEW Full Gear. I think we really ran out there and kicked each other's asses. I broke Tony's face. Sorry, Tony. Actually, not sorry. I'm not sorry about that now. I'm never sorry. So yeah, the reaction was really good. It made me feel like I'm doing something wrong. I'm doing myself good just by, by just going out there and doing my best. And yeah, just kind of going with the flow, really. There wasn't anything in particular that got me to the point, I don't think. It was just some kind of culmination of multiple things. So it was really a special moment for me. And yeah, I'll cherish that for a very long time. So here's my opinion on this. Jamie Hayter is Jamie Hayter. And everyone loves her. I'm like, when she started off in the first episode of Rampage, no one knew how to react to her. They didn't know who she was. And now look where she's at. She's one of their big, she's one of their top female wrestlers, and it's the current reigning, defending, all showing AEW Women's World Champion, defeating the likes of Hikaru Shida, Rio, Soraya, Ruby Soho, and he's even defeated Emma Sakura and the Bunny in Eliminator matches. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it's just that <laughs> it's just that Jamie Hayter was just very popular with fans. I'm probably extremely horny with the way she dresses, but that's a different matter. But yeah, I like Jamie Hayter's talent in the ring and shit, what she brought. And plus, people did kind of want her to turn against Britt Baker because Britt Baker, because that was clearly the original plan at one point. Then they just scrapped it out of nowhere. But uh, yeah, that was the thing. That was a wild night for everyone. I love that match. So there's been rumors that they may with Endeavor and the UFC and they're emerging stuff happening. There was an update on a possible talent cut thing happening. Um, Dave Meltzer reported on Wrestling Observer Radio that they haven't discussed making any cutbacks to the talent roster. Following a question of Dede might release Drew McIntyre, Meltzer said, I would doubt it, but it's always a possibility. They haven't talked about doing anything, doing cuts with talent. They haven't really said. They said production, and they said creative. There's going to be no cuts. Uh, there's going to be lots of cuts in the office, people. I don't anticipate cut with talent. I don't think with Drew, I'm going to say no. So... Yeah. And, you know, there was also that concern going on in the locker room that there was going to be releases because Nick Conjuring things still. But, uh, yeah, it's understandable why people got worried, especially when you do a big merger like this. But, uh, luckily, uh, that isn't the case, hopefully. Meanwhile, uh, we're getting talent being booked for all in. Are you all in? This is rare. This is war. According to Dave Meltzer of Wrestling Observer Radio, describing his job as a secret press releaser for PR stuntman for uh, AEW on occasions, unless he gets something says something that Tony Khan will eventually disagree with. Uh, Dave Meltzer revealed on Wrestling Observer Radio that Will Osprey will be wrestling at All In, and he was booked on the card as of a couple of days ago from May 11th. Before May 11th, um, currently unknown, however, is that we don't know who he's going to face, and Osprey has known that he hopes to be in action at all. In now, Osprey could continue his program with Kenny Omega, but I have a dream a dream of Osprey and Zack Sabre Jr. versus CM Punk and Brian Danielson. Damn it, 
I'm like, I would love that. <laughs> Meanwhile, another wrestling legend of, of pro wrestling no one wants to go all in. Naomichi Marufuji has expressed interest in wrestling in AEW's UK debate show. And Dark Perosu Flowerson, I'm terribly sorry, saying that said on Twitter that he spoke to him, him and he has expressed big interest in being involved in AEW All In in capacity. He never wrestled for AEW, however, he has worked with pro, he does work with Pro Wrestling Noah and Tony Khan's promotion based to King Omega are on friendly terms after working together to bring Sting and Darby Allin to Japan for the Great Miz final match. And he is part of the management, and he has to sell himself as one of the top stars of the company for over 23 years, being a four-time heavyweight champion and eight-time tag team champion. Along with his success in the heavyweight division, he was part of the legendary tag team with Kenta, Maru Ken, and they both reunited earlier this year. And he only has six matches in history of his career being wrestling in the UK. The last time he was wrestling in the UK was against Doug Williams in 2018. But there is another speculated talent that might go all in for wrestling. According to the United States Patent and Trademark Office, there's been a trademark by one Nigel McGuinness. And he has trademarked his entering name. And one of the things that I have mentioned Providing online interviews featuring a professional wrestler and sports entertainer in the field of professional wrestling and sports entertainment for entertainment purposes. He doesn't rule out coming out of retirement, and then he tweeted after it was revealed that over 60,000 60, tickets were sold. He said, Dice, I think I said if it sells out, I might just have to dust off the old boots. I think Brian Danielson might have competition soon. My god, we would have to debate, flip a coin essentially to decide who would get this match. Saxon Jr. or Nigel McGuinness? Versus Brian? My god. Or you could, Nigel McGuinness could do two matches, one against Saxon Jr. to determine the fate of Brian Danielson's opponent at, at All In, and then he fights him at All In. That would be a pretty damn good idea. Let's do that, if he's up for it. However, Kenny Omega has announced that time is running thin on his pro wrestling career, telling Sports Illustrated right before his big cage match with John Moxley on Dynamite that week, saying time is running thin on the Kenny Omega clock. I can guarantee everyone that sees me perform live that there is a reason for that performance. I work to make everyone special. I want this one to be unique and very fun for people who tune in and people who are there live. I don't know how competitive John, I know how competitive John is. This will be a grueling, physically demanding, and violent cage match. So yeah, uh, as Kenny Omega teases that his career is running running low and my depression hits because after all the positive AEW coverage was getting, we need to end this on a sour note on that front. Goddamn. Meanwhile, there's been a coin of Dave Meltzer, once again, take it for what you will. Um, WWE is expected to retaliate over AEW Collision. According to Dave Meltzer, he speculates that it's expected to retaliate, saying 
Would WWE's next move would be in retaliation will always be interesting because there will be one. I just don't know what it is. I don't see WWE going and adding a Saturday night show. AEW will go against WWE pay-per-views many times a year. I would not be surprised to see NXT pay-per-views move to Saturdays. So, yeah, um, I would like to mention back in 2019, uh, WWE put Evolve, a show that people were demanding for years and even the company demanded for some time to put on the WWE Network, have a sh at least one show on there, and WWE finally decided to do it during on a free Fight for the Fallen pay-per-view event, which was a, was a charity house show, which was a charity event because WWE are in fact a bunch of dicks so take of that what you will from that context but uh as that also go on CM Punk was name dropped on AEW Dynamite this week when MGF talks about his list of accomplishments and CM Punk was on the list he still exists in the canon everybody we got we got a man so that has been going on. Also, CM Punk has pushed for a reportedly out Fireful Select revealed that Punk has pushed for a different major feud out of the gate instead of, of Chris Jericho and him. They haven't revealed who of whom Punk is believed to have asked to work with, with AEW fans on social media giving their own theories and fantasy book on who could have been in who have been in the frame. Uh, there's still a ton of big dream matches we have. But uh we'll see when that we'll see it in a little bit. Because a few days after there was a name thrown around by Fightful Select. But uh, during AEW Dynamite this week, uh, Miro and Thunder Rosa returned. Hooray! Thunder Rosa still has back injury issues. Proof. Fightful Select revealed in a report that suggests both returns are directly linked to the upcoming debut of Collision, believed to take place in June. While yet to be announced, Collision is believed to be debating in June as part of the renewed partnership with AEW and Warner Bros. Discovery. CM Punk, you know, being strongly believed that there would be he would be heading the new show. Oh, and heading into Wednesday this week, AEW Dynamite is set to announce one of the most important announcements ever in the history of AEW, and the major announcements will be a new TV deal between, according to Dave Meltzer, AEW and Warner Bros. Discovery in the creation of Collision, with the new deal to be revealed during the upfront by WBD on May 17th in New York City. So, we gotta go ahead and freak out. Rumors online have suggested the new TV deal will be worth $1 billion over a few years. Fox Select did know it was a good deal for AEW, but no dollar amount has been revealed yet. So that's still on the, uh, still on the table. Along with that, Piper Select has revealed that there is a marquee match planned for AEW Collision and also set to have a debut and an or a return reportedly also scheduled for the event besides CM Punk. And there's no word on what the match will be, only that CM Punk has been pushing for a huge match to take place early on the following his return. And there's been also updates for, um... AEW's plans for Rampage coming out in, that, in, in the uh, event. Uh, Fightful Select has reported that has shed a little light on what the shape of Rampage could take in the fallout, with the report suggesting that sources describe Rampage as becoming akin to what WWF in the night, Sunday Night Heat was and Velocity, WWE Velocity back in the late 90s, early 2000s. So, 
Recent reports also suggest that Rampage could become a sort of replacement for Dark and Dark Elevation, with both YouTube shows being recently concluded. And... Yeah, they're, they're all recorded episodes, so I can understand that. But um, if you want to keep Rampage on the air, I would recommend we should also have Rampage have some exclusive big feuds to help push the viewership up. Still pushing for, I will still push for six to seven at least on, on fr Friday nights when everything gets back to normal with the NBA playoffs ending. But um, yeah, that's still my push. But uh, back to the CM Punk talk regarding who he wants to first a feud with when he comes back. He wants to fight Samoa Frickin' Joe. According to Fight for Select, CM Punk has become increasingly interested in working with Samoa Joe for his AEW return, and he has been pitching for, to face Joe for the better part of a month. It is unknown if Punk has pitched to face Joe in a one-off match or if he wants to work a longer match programming with the Samoa Submission Machine. And Punk has never defeated him, so let's go. So they have a storyline to build. All they already have a massive storyline with that, considering they have fought. Uh, let's see, they had a trilogy of matches over the ROH World Title back in 2004. They fought two 60-man draws before Samoa Joe finally defeated Punk at All Star Extravaganza 2. And they have clashed in PWD and on an indie show in England. Punk had never won, so you got a story right then and there just to sell the to sell the damn show. So, yeah, Collision looks to be stacked for its debut. However, with the return of Punk, there are uncertainties with the backstage atmosphere. And according to Dave Meltzer of Wrestling Observer Newsletter, a higher up within AEW came to him and told him that there that the Elite and CM Punk are no closer to any resolution than they have been, but things are more reasonable. At least one person not named CM Punk is willing to apologize and has been willing to do so for a while, but both sides have been banned from making contact due to ongoing legal issues. It is unknown if Punk is willing to apologize, but several reports in March suggested that Punk might be willing to say sorry over the post-all-out media scrum. A person on CM Punk's side, said, side of the situation told Meltzer they believe apologies are required and the 44-year-old should be the first person to say sorry, but not be the only one. So, yeah, there's a chance everything could work out. We could still get our big dream match once all the legal stuff has been resolved. Which is one of the reasons, uh... We'll, we'll get to that. Which, uh, it, the legal issues is one of the reasons. Uh, apparently another report's come out to talk about AW Collision. Uh, according to Dave Meltzer, so take it for what you will, uh, Wrestling Observer Newsletter stated that, uh, Collision would have been part put on TV with or without CM Punk, although AEW's TV partner, Warner Bros. Discovery, absolutely wanted him back. Now, I can believe this, that Punk wasn't the whole reason for Collision happening. It probably was always in the plans. It was probably always getting in the plans, but uh, Punk coming back would have been a major set, set piece for them. I could believe that AEW, that WBD was like, okay, Tony, we'll do Collision. We'll do Collision, but if you bring Punk back, we'll give you more money. I can imagine that would be the case. Like how Saudi Arabia was like, Vince, look, if you give The Rock, if you get The Rock to, join, to do our show, and he and he's the WWE champion heading into that show. We'll give you twenty million dollars up front, guaranteed. That didn't happen, fortunately, because that would have hurt AJ Styles in the long run. But that, but that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from this. Like, 
Collision with is inevitable eventually it was going to be inevitable but CM Punk coming back ultimately helped really stack the guarantee on that and really gave probably gave him more money in the end but uh yeah at the show Collision has his debut plan ready uh the tagline for the first episode has been revealed according to Dave Meltzer that the show will debut as at the United Center of Chicago convenient and will be called the second coming my god and no it's not jesus so yeah moving but i'm half expecting religious fanatics to lose it and remember when i mentioned those legal issues with the elite and aw and punk well that's the reason why why tony Congress still refuses after all this time to refuse to escape to refuse to comment on brawl out saying this i can't really comment i haven't talked about that particular situation since it happened specifically in the time since AEW has continued to hit new heights and grow and i have a lot of respect for all the people you just said as professional wrestlers and we have a great company going right now we have a big announcement coming next week we've been able to sustain and continue to develop as a wrestling company so yeah i, I fine i get he doesn't want to talk about it because of all the league and particularly if there's legal legal ramifications from that especially since there was a guy fired from that event a steal i'm pretty sure he handled that well and not threw a chair out the window but yeah there's a lot there's a lot we will never probably know and probably can't know for legal purposes unless punk and lily are willing to pass things up and you know give this big big moment to explain what happened and end all and end all business with that so Goldberg wants to do a retirement tour, a small one, and Goldberg is set to wrestle in Israel, with reports coming out about that, because that's a great idea currently in Israel with everything going on. Um, apparently, Sting is involved in talks with them. No! I, I don't want Sting to be involved in Goldberg's retirement unless it's just like he's on the undercard. Not be part of a match with Goldberg because that's a death sentence. Look what happened to Taker almost. Also, um, Homicide decided to talk about reveals why he thinks they never signed him. Ah, why would they not want to higher homicide is it because his name is homicide Miguel. uh he said this i really don't know why but it could be the name homicide it's too graphic maybe but i tell people i got no problem changing my name so don't know you being idiot still Indeed, Homicide has changed the name of his finisher to be more palatable to mainstream audiences with Da Cop Killer, rebranded to Da Gringo Killer. I'm pretty sure I butchered that, I'm sorry, during his time in Impact Wrestling. While WWE may be seemingly off the table, Homicide has made appearances for AEW and with the Indie Wrestling Hall of Famer, assisting protege Eddie Kingston and John Moxley at Grand Slam 2021. Good times. So, as all Elite Wrestling continues, there has been no movement in AEW contract talks with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Now, okay. The trio is represented by Barry Bloom. Dave Meltzer also gave an update that um, 
that wrestling's over newsletter saying there's been no movement of blade signing the young bucks and kenny omega to, uh, to new deals there's no word on why aw have yet to secure new long-term contracts since they were the freaking founders if i had to take a guess this this is my opinion they're probably still exploring their options and they're probably coming to a decision like near the end of the year of the contract run since Kenny Omega's contract did get extended due to his out of action and the Young Bucks were set is also set to expire in 20, at the end of 2023 so I could see getting more updates on that around probably October to December if not September so yeah Becky Lynch reveals she has been asked about an Ireland stadium show Speaking with Mark Andrews on My Love Layer to Wrestling, Becky Lynch revealed that she has been asked about running a stadium show in Ireland and she told whoever asked, believed to be WWE, that the RDS Arena would be a good venue. Saying, we were just talking about that, yes, I gave the venue and all, the RDS, and we can have one. I don't know that we have the population to sustain it, but I think when you have the UK and Europe so close, absolutely. Dublin Island. My God, if that happens... Can we get Becky Lynch to bait event the show? That would make the most sense. And even though on the For the Love of the Wrestling convention, um, FTR, specifically Cash Wheeler, decided to bring up saying even though they have signed four-year deals with the company and may retire after that, they did open up the idea that, that we may still wrestle, but... Um, now this is what they point out. Now the the title would say they're just they lie through their teeth, but no, they mention Wheeler mentions this in the in the quote. I told you guys we signed a four year deal, and when we were done with that, we might maybe every now and then come out just because we love wrestling. I'm gonna have to wrestle here and there, but we're probably done full time for sure in four years. See, um, that's the context. He'll be done. They'll be done full time, but they might still work part time. Or on a whatever the hell they feel like booking them. However, um, AEW had there was an update on a potential AEW show in Cavern Cottage. However, Wrestling's Over Radio uh, Dave Meltzer suggests that running Cav Cavern Cottage would have been a hugely pop profitable move for AEW. And Meltzer suggests that running Webley was actually more cost effective than running Cavern Cottage. With estimates suggesting that running the show would cost over $1 million, meaning that Cavern Cottage sellout of around 20,000 tickets wouldn't present as a high of a profit margin. So, Webley Stadium is 400 grand yet bigger, and yet Cavern Cottage is a million? I feel like there's something missing here. And another factor that could have swayed AW comes down to the Cavern Cottage turf. With the costs of removing the turf and replacing it after all in it, and an outlay that wouldn't have proven cost effective for AW, considering the turf at Webley will already be removed and protected due to a series of non sporting events taking place in the iconic stadium throughout August, it was likely a situation that AW wouldn't have been responsible for. So basically, it comes down to we gotta be, we gotta be cautious about this and also risk taking. Not stupid. Also, Matt Jackson did get physical on May 10th on AEW during the uh, steel cage match between Moxley and Omega. And it's been reported that, yes, he has indeed been fully cleared for it in return. So, appar so apparently this was weeks ahead of schedule. So, props, 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 everyone. 
And there's also been an update on the creative department. Uh, after Will Washington, a fellow former Fightful select, Fightful po podcaster and interviewer, uh, joined all of the wrestling as a high, higher up official, kind of being the de facto right hand to some, but that isn't the case. Uh, he was put on the creative team. Uh, Dave Meltzer decided to talk about that since uh, he was since Will Washington was hired by AEW as the administrative coordinator. Part of the role sees Washington oversee continuity, yes, and assist with long-term creative, yes. So Tony Khan remains the head booker. According to Dave Meltzer, this is the structure. Tony Khan remains the booker and he has the outlines for upcoming shows. The two key individuals assisting Khan with creative are QT Marshall and Sonja Dutt. In addition, the likes of Pat Buck, Jerry Lynn, Christopher Daniels, Dean Malenko, and newly hired Will Washington were a part of the creative meeting last week. And he is also, and you know, top stars like Kenny Omega, The Young Bucks, MJF, Chris Jericho, Brian Danson, John Moxley, FTR, and CM Punk have significant input in their programs. And there's also creative, creative input from the rest of the roster to a somewhat lesser extent, but still there. And I just said, this is the system people have been wanting WWE to go back to. Hire wrestling fans, hire hire goddamn wrestling fans to oversee the continuity to help with that to help with the creative department. Hire wrestlers, hire old new old wrestlers, retired wrestlers, or freshly new retired wrestlers, and allow the wrestlers on this active roster to provide input and create suggestions to their characters and whatnot, but not go over the top like you did with like Eric Bischoff did with WCW, where he just threw out creative control clauses to everybody. To the point that the show destroyed itself. And, you know, have actual wrestling fans involved in this instead of having Hollywood writers who don't even have the gall to say, I grew up with WWE. I'm a fan. Nowhere does anyone ever say that in that controversial video that WWE had to unlist because it gave them everyone a target. So, yeah. There has also been talks of an international pay-per-view from WWE that's intensified. According to a wrestling observer newsletter, the idea of running a major show in Perth, Australia has gotten more serious. The WWE official recently traveled to the city of Western Australia. The pay-per-view event would be co-promoted by the local tourism board, similar to Backlash in Puerto Rico and Class of the Castle in Wales. So once again, we want money. We're not paying for arena. So... Yeah, okay, uh, here's the thing that has been kind of bugging me a little bit. Does WWE not know that Puerto Rico is part of the United States and is a U.S. territory? Unless I didn't hear a certain announcement over the last three to six years that Puerto Rico was no longer part of the U.S. territory system, but... Yeah, I, I, keep, I keep thinking they don't know that. And if they don't, then I'm trying to wonder how the hell did Vince make it, make it through school. And, yeah. That he have held stadium shows in Australia before, including 2002's Global Warning Show and 2018's Super Showdown. But we don't talk about that loud show because that match, because the main event sucked. But the first main event was awesome. Triple H, The Rock, and Brock Lesnar. Man, that was for the Dead 80s highlight. It would have killed to see that. Metaphorically speaking. Meanwhile, WWE Reed's uh, current listing of babyface and heel charts have been revealed. 
PW Insider Elite has revealed the internal chart for the top faces and heels, and the list is, goes as follows. Baby faces, Edge, Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles, Sheamus, Rey Mysterio, Santos Escobar. Heels, Roman Reigns, as expected, Sola Sokoa, Austin Theory, Karrion Cross, LA Knight, Grayson Waller. And everyone was a little surprised at that last one. He just recently got drafted to SmackDown. And Bobby Lashley is listed into a face. And as his allegiance to the face and heel side of the fence have been changing fairly frequently over the last year or so. Because WWE Management wants to make him the new big show, I think. Also, there's been apparently... There was apparently an old rumor going. There was a rumor going around um, that Bret Hart could show up at All In. I was like, "What? I, I never heard of that." Apparently, Dave Meltzer said that there was apparently a thought going on that that Tony Khan bring in J.B. Boy Smith Jr. and uh, Bret Hart for an appearance on the show, and I was like. Wait, that was a, there was a talk about that? I never heard anything about that. Like, I could be wrong, but I probably didn't read the internet that day. But uh, apparently Bret Hart can't go because WWE are contractually forcing him to not do anything, as that's the reason Bret Hart has never appeared on an episode of Impact. It could also be because Impact doesn't have that kind of money for Bret Hart. And like AW and WWE have held brief crossovers with each other, specifically Brian Danielson and Big Show sending messages to celebrate John Cena's career. Though they also repeatedly kept failing to get Billy Gunn, and and Bro Dog goes ahead and bullshits and says we did everything we could. They're just stubborn, and I'm just like, according to this report, uh, apparently AW was cool with it. You just didn't want to, and I can take a guess, wild guess, what you did. He probably said. Hey, can you acknowledge us on TV, like, say, AEW or All Elite Wrestling? Can you mention us where, to justify where Billy Gunn's been? That could give us some promotion. I'm like, we do shots at you all the time, and that's pretty much free advertisement right there. You know, that's the closest to consequences you'll ever get. I think we should see other people. Um, we're not even asking for money. We'll give you money. Please just ask for money. Do not make us give you free publicity. That's asking too much from us. But um, even though Will Osprey has been booked for All In, allegedly, according to Dave Meltzer, uh, Red Pro Wrestling is going to have an event over All In weekend. Yeah. It will feature their 11th anniversary show at the Copper Box Arena on Saturday, May 26th, just one day before All In, so we can still show up for All In. Uh, will Osprey will fight Shingo Takaki. Nothing else has been announced on the car, but that alone is a big encounter. Oh my god. So... <laughs> so, Boozer Rasslin on Twitter, that's his actual account name, uh, revealed that there are big plans in store for the new Big Gold Belt and gave some insight on the plans for the new title. The idea to introduce the prize dated all the way back to September with the USA Network currently pushing out their own world title belt for Roman. 
And it was noted that there was some uncertainty about the actual lineage of the title, whether it's something brand new or it will take on the lineage of the old belt, which clearly influenced the design of the new one. Boozer followed up by saying, saying big plans will get up all the title to its original status and explain that these plans will elevate it happening in the very near future. So that's been one of the common criticisms, saying um, that it's a consolation belt for due to Roman's undisputed status in WWE. They even acknowledged it on WWE television and declared that Roman Reigns declared it a consolation belt, which automatically destroys any hope. Meanwhile, Levy Bates, according to Fight for Select, uh, revealed that, uh, remember Levy Bates' contract expiring? Uh, yeah, apparently this was a surprise to her as there was no prior discussion between her and the company, and she actually found out from other talent and while she was at the dentist. Can you... This has kind of been a recurring theme, more like an idiocy with Marco Stun and Joey Janelle especially having that history with not being told about anything like hey my contract's coming out can I get an update no okay I thought I was sure we finally got that fixed but uh guess not what the hell man and last but not least WWE's changing the negotiation style for wrestlers with expiring contracts so Fightful Select reported that Daddy has been altering how they approach wrestlers for contracts running down. If I'm before I talk about the article piece, let me take my wildest guess. It involves threats, legal action, saying you have nothing left to live for, there's nothing left out there for you. Oh, and probably saying you're strong arming us. I'm mean, like, that's how they lost John Moxley entirely. Because they accused him allegedly of just trying to strong arm them for more money. And Moxie reportedly locked out of the room after that bullshit. Yeah, I would probably do it too if I'm being accused like that. So, Vince McMahon, everybody. World-class negotiator. Bible learned that a change in talent relations and a major turnover internally, in addition to some new faces at the top of the company, has changed had changed the way contracts are, were negotiated in the last year or so of Vince McMahon's illegal regime, in my opinion, before he left. Fightful was told that the newer approach was to come closer to the expiration deals before negotiations begin in many cases, a practice that was already in effect as of September 2021, as the summer of 2021. That wasn't ex exclusively the case, but that was a big adjustment from Dede looking looking to lock down talent way ahead of their deals expiring. So, yeah. Some fans will remember some talent signing very big deal, very big long-term deals over the last few years to ensure they remain in the promotion. Though that method seems to be changing as time goes on, and even then they were still getting fired by by uh, Nick Khan because bullshit politics, bullshit politics, bullshit politics. Uh. Mm. So that oh there is uh one last big piece of news according to bob orton cowboy bob orton everybody yeah decided to come out and reveal that apparently the doctors have told randy orton to not come back to wrestle yep this may be the end of randy orton
So, yeah. This might be the end of Randy Orton in wrestling as a whole. So, that sucked. Uh, let's end it right there. So, we're at 1 hour, 7 minutes, and 50 seconds. Oh, man, this is the longest episode to date. I thought I'm sure it would actually be longer. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. This was a fun episode, covering a whole bunch of topics to keep track of everything. I'll be back again for episode 7 down the road. We'll see you soon. Uh, man, this was fun. This is your host, Derek Brown of NRE The Wrestleverse, Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE Wrestleverse Podcast. Feel free to like, comment, subscribe. Check out my other content in the description below. Stay tuned for more. I'll see you all again next time. Take care. Peace out. And have a good evening, everybody. Love you all and see you all soon.